We got a special treat this morning. Keith, last night, did a great job on this, in the Saturday night service, um, um, bringing the word. It's our last um, in the series of Colossians, Colossians 4. So Keith's going to come up and speak to us. What's up, everybody? River City Church. Like Derek said, my name's Keith. Um, before we get started, I just wanted to take a second to introduce myself. Most of you don't know me. I'm pretty new around here. Um, and also, I'll be, this morning I'll be talking about story, our stories, our life stories. So I thought it would only be fair if I take a second to give you a glimpse of my story. Um, I'm from Jacksonville, born and raised. Grew up in Arlington. It's my hood. Uh, went to Stanton High School, University of North Florida. Studied English. Met my wife there, Kristen. And... Um, Moved away like five years ago to, uh, to Orlando to go to seminary. After that, had a couple of twin daughters, which is pretty funny because I am a twin. So like I'm an identical twin with twins. There they are. Hey. My family, the best thing going for me. So I thought I would show them off today. Um, and we have a third daughter as well. So that's me in a nutshell. I came on staff last year in October uh, here at River City Church as pastor of discipleship. I've been overseeing the community groups this new internship program, and various other things. Um, and this is my first time speaking this weekend, so please pray for me, because I need it. It's the scariest thing I've ever done right now. So, anyway, uh, I'm going to read the text from Colossians 4, and then uh, we'll pray and get started. We're looking at Colossians 4, verses 2 through 6. And Paul um, is writing to the church in Colossae, and he tells them, Continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Let's pray real quick. We'll get going. God, thank you so much for... um, who you are. Thank you so much for bringing us all here this morning. I pray that you would just make your word come alive to us today. I pray that your spirit would just um, speak to our hearts, Lord. Um, show us what you have for each and every one of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul here is talking about basically what we might call evangelism or mission, you know, that we're supposed to be living in such a way that our faith is made clear that we're sharing our faith. I don't know about you, but sometimes whenever I hear a pastor or somebody else tell me that I'm supposed to be sharing my faith, um, my internal response can sometimes be less than enthusiastic. I can be, it can sound like a burden. It can sound like just another thing to do, another thing to work into my schedule. Oh yeah, I'm supposed to share my faith. I'm supposed to pray for those around me. So I struggle with that. I'm sure you guys have felt that way too. Like, yeah, share your faith, share your faith. But one thing that I've found that helps me to actually really be motivated for that is to step back and look at the big picture. What's the bigger context? What's the bigger story that's being told? Why are we supposed to do this? Um, Speaking of story, the reason I'm thinking about that is I just finished reading this new book by Donald Miller called A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. Good book. I recommend it. Uh, There it is. well, anyway, you might have heard of Donald Miller. I guess it was probably five or six years ago. He came out with a book called Blue Like Jazz, which was a huge hit. 
And in that book, it, it was his personal memoir, his own story of his faith with Jesus and wrestling with faith and is God real? And so in that story, he accounts his journey. And it was really influential for a lot of people. Kind of, you know, we, when I read it, I could really resonate with what he was talking about and how his faith became real to him. So the book was a huge hit. This earlier book, Blue Like Jazz, and a couple of filmmakers thought this would make a great movie. So they approached Donald Miller about turning it into a movie. So in this new book, he talks about that experience, subtitled, What I Learned While Editing My Own Life. So he had to take his old memoir and edit it and turn it into a movie, which was weird. So I can't imagine that, like writing a movie about my life. But it it wasn't really him. It was like this fictional character who had his name. Um, Weird, but... Anyway, so like what he talks about in this book is that through the process of doing that, he came to realize that he was a good storyteller. He knew how to write good stories. But he realized that our lives, the way that we live our life, are also telling a story. And his own story wasn't that interesting that he was living at that moment. He could write good stories, but he wasn't living a good story. And so he wanted to fix that. He wanted to be living a more compelling story. So what he did is he started to study story. What is story? What makes a good story? Why do we like some stories better than other stories? He went to writing seminars, and he talked to English professors and that kind of thing, and he started studying what makes a good story. And what he came up with is a good story has a character who wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. So we have a character, they want something, and in order to get there, they're willing to overcome conflict. If you think about almost any story or movie or book that you love, it's pretty much going to fall into that formula. Like, a couple of examples I thought of are sort of those epic movies that we like, like Star Wars. So we have this character, Luke Skywalker, and he wants to defeat evil, the evil Darth Vader. And so he takes three movies of conflict to do that. <laughs> and uh, same with the Lord of the Rings, same basic idea. You know, this little hobbit wants to overcome evil against great odds and goes through many, 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 many hours of conflict <laughs> to get there. I love it, though. I love those movies. I love the... Anyway, I'm actually going to show a clip from that later. Um, or the movie I saw this weekend, Inception. That was good. That part of the end was really awesome. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to give it away <laughs> if you haven't seen it. Uh, but anyway, generally speaking, you're gonna, always going to see a character who's overcoming conflict in order to get something they want. So Donald Miller was like, okay, so what, what is my story? What is my ambition? And what conflict am I willing to endure to get there? And I think that's a good question for all of us. I found that really helpful to think of, think of my life that way. The way I live my life, the things that I do and the things that I say are telling a story. So what kind of character am I? You know, it's funny, like in a story, there's action, there's dialogue. It's not just in your head. And I've thought about it, you know. I have all kinds of stuff in my head that, that I feel like, well, don't you know that? Well, how would anyone else know that if what's in my head or my heart doesn't come out in my actions and my words? Or what is my ambition? What is it that drives me? What gets me up in the morning? What's affecting my decision-making? What am I basing it on? And what kind of conflicts am I enduring to get there? What kind of challenges am I willing to embrace to pursue that dream, that goal, that ambition? So what I would add to um, what Donald Miller had to say, and I, I like the book, and I think it's great, but I would say that um, when we become a follower of Jesus, when, when Jesus takes us from death to life and makes us new, we're invited to participate into a bigger story. We may have been writing one story of our life where we're the star. You know, Before I was writing the story of Keith or the Keith movie, 
you know, and I got top billing. It was my name on the movie poster or my picture on the front of the book. But when I became a follower of Jesus, suddenly I'm being invited to participate in a greater, better story that's way bigger than my life. All of the Bible tells a story. It's one true story with one plot, one main character. And the main character isn't me, it's God. And the plot is his mission to pursue his lost children and restore his creation. And mission is central to that story. God created the world. He created his people in order to get glory. But we turn our back on him. But God didn't let it in there. He promised to pursue us even though we walked away. He sent his son on mission to do that. And then he sent his spirit into the world to, be, to continue that story. And as he calls each of us to him, he's inviting us to participate. Now, I'm not saying that our, individual, that our individual lives don't matter, that our stories don't matter. They do. That's the point. God has uniquely cre- created each of us to play an important and essential role in the story. We have to get that. We have to see the big picture when we look at verses like these in Colossians. Or else, you know, we see Paul telling us to pray. Well, pray for what? If I'm just writing my own story with my own mission, I'm just going to pray that God will help me get that done. That's not what's happening here. We're invited to something better. We're praying for what God is doing. God's on the move to bring healing in the world, to bring restoration. And that's what we're praying to be a part of. So what does that mean for us practically? Let's take a look... um, Let's work through these verses here and see what Paul has to say. He's giving us some practical advice here for how to be a part of this. So in verse 2, he says, To continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. You know, if we're not, if we're not participating in God's mission in the world, what is our prayer going to be like? It's either going to be not happening or infrequent or uninspired, or it's just, like I said, we're just going to be praying for our own agenda to make our own name great, to build our own kingdom. But what you'll find is, as, as you participate in what God is doing, as you step out and risk um, sharing your faith, praying for other people, participating in what God is doing, you'll depend on prayer more. You'll reach out, and it'll be an essential part of your life, just like eating or sleeping. I like the... Um, metaphor or analogy that John Piper uses. He talks about, it's like a wartime analogy. Like when we're on God's mission, we're at the front of the battle lines. He says, prayer is not designed as an intercom between us and God to serve the domestic comforts of the saints. It's designed as a walkie-talkie for spiritual battlefields. It's the link between active soldiers and their command headquarters with its unlimited firepower and air cover and strategic wisdom. Continue steadfastly just means we're devoted to prayer. We're holding on tight. We're not letting go. We, we are wanting to talk to God, our um, commander in the headquarters. Sometimes a cop-out I use with prayer is just like, well, you know, I pray. I pray without ceasing, right? Which is cool. That's good. We should do that, you know. Throw up a prayer to God on my way home from work or whatever. And that's good, and I'm not knocking that. But um, what I would like to do more is schedule more time just to give God my undivided attention and really pour out my heart to him because I need it if I'm going to be on his mission. 
And Paul also says to be watchful in prayer. That just means to stay awake. Don't fall asleep. Be aware in your life of things that you can talk to God about and ask for and pray for specifically. With thanksgiving. We're to come to God with grateful hearts, aware of what he has done, specifically thanking him for those things. Having a grateful heart will affect the way we pray and what we're praying for. Um, In verse 3, Paul moves on to to, um, ask the Colossians to pray for him specifically and those with him on God's mission. You know, Paul is a part of this mission. He's he's going for it. So he's saying in verse 3, At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So he's saying pray also for us. Man, Paul was totally, he got this. His whole life was about this mission. He was... And he went through so much conflict to get it. You know, he was telling, he was, he laid down whatever story he was in before and he participated in what God was doing, telling God's story with his life. And yeah, he got shipwrecked. He got beaten and stoned and in prison, but he never lost hope. He got the fact that he was a part of something much greater and that he needed prayer. So we too should pray for those on mission, which should be all of us. We all need prayer. We all need to be praying for each other. Praying for what? In verse 3, that God may open a door for the word. There are people in our lives that we know and love that don't follow Jesus. And when we're praying for an open door, we're just praying for God to make opportunities for them to hear the gospel that we believe in, to hear about Jesus who we put our faith in. We're just asking God to give us those opportunities to stir in their hearts to receive it, to open their eyes to faith, to declare the mystery of Christ. Declare the mystery. What's he mean by that? Well, back in Colossians 1, Paul said, in verse 27, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, before Jesus showed up on the scene, you know, God had promised to redeem his people, but it was still a mystery. What was it going to look like? Jesus showed up, and here it is. It's God in flesh and blood, the image of the invisible Christ. Uh, sorry, the image of the invisible God. So when we see Jesus, we see God. We know what God is like because we have Jesus. We see him in the flesh and blood. And now we have Christ in us. That is how we make the mystery clear. That's how we declare the mystery to the world. It's because we have Christ in us. So as people read the story that we're telling with our life, they should be seeing the story of Jesus in us. Okay, so Paul's talks about prayer. Now in verse 5, he moves on to talk about our lives. So he's talking about, if we're, you know, if we're living on mission with God, then our prayer will be missional. And now he's saying if we're living a mission with God, then our whole lives will be missional. They'll be on mission. He says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. You know, Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, what you do speaks so loudly that I cannot hear what you say. And isn't that true? You know, we can all day talk about this amazing God that we have hope in, you know, that's changed our lives. But our lives should reflect that truth as well. It should be saturated with godly wisdom. And I'm not talking about, you know, just some legalistic thing here. Like Tom was saying last week, or um, it's not that we have to do this, 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 and this to get in with God. That's not the gospel that we're preaching. We've already been made holy. We already have a new identity in Christ. 
And now Paul says, okay, now let him live in you. Let people see who you are through what you do and what you say. And that's how our faith spreads. It's through our walk, through the conversation that we're living. How did, how did the church spread so fast back then? They didn't have TV or bumper stickers or whatever. They just had the lives that they were leading, the story that they were telling. In verse 5, he goes on to say, to make the best use of the time. Literally, that just means to redeem the time. Each day, God is giving us a series of opportunities to speak about him, to live his story through our lives. And so there's an urgency to that mission. It's not going to last forever. All right, moving on to verse 6. Now he's talking about our speech. Our speech also will tell the story of who God is. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Our speech should be gracious, seasoned with salt. Gracious speech. So whenever we talk, the things that we say are just full of the grace that we've experienced in God. The grace, gracious meaning that we've been given, freely given a gift that we don't deserve. So is that how we speak to others as well? Just full of grace, like Jesus. For some of us, that may be easy enough face-to-face, but um, even, you know, the things that we write, emails and Facebook or whatever, are we just radiating the grace that we've experienced through Jesus? Is it seasoned with salt? What does salt do? It makes something that's bland tasty. Our speech should be seasoned with the salt of the gospel. The things that we say should make Jesus attractive to the watching world, appealing. And the best way to do that is to enjoy God. You know, are we enjoying that meal so that we would recommend it to others? Are we enjoying who God is and his grace and love? After all, if you, you know, eat some unappetizing meal at a restaurant, you're probably not going to recommend that to a friend. It's the same idea. If you're not actually taking joy and delight in God, why would we recommend him to others through our speech? And Paul says the reason we do this is so that we may know how we ought to answer each person. So this is assuming that people are asking. This is assuming that our lives make people curious about the hope that's in us. You know, if I'm a total jerk to you, you're not going to care about what I believe. Um, and if we're not allowing Christ to work in us and live through us, people aren't going to be curious. They're not going to care. So our whole lives have to radiate the beauty of who he is. So what's the bottom line? The bottom line is that Paul is showing us what it looks like to join God's mission, to join with God on the mission, to bring restoration to the world. And in order to do that, we just have to remember the greater story that's going on. It's God's story. All of the Bible, all of history, everything points to him. It's his story. So are we going to join him on that, or are we going to try to rewrite, rewrite the story? For each of us, we should just think about it. You know, think about what life am I, what story am I telling with my life? And what does it mean to let my life be a part of your mission, God? You know, sometimes our minds go straight to doing something big, taking some big risk for God. And maybe that's what he's calling us to, you know, like plant a church or go overseas. And that stuff is great. But at the very least, what it means is that we're allowing our whole life right now, our ordinary life, 
to be purposeful about this mission. So think about your life. Think about the rhythms of your life, the activities that, that you have in your life. Who, who's watching you? Who is a part of your life that doesn't know Jesus? If there isn't anybody, then there's definitely work to do. There's ways that we can be intentional about shining Jesus' light in the world around us. You know, uh, like at work, like, like the testimony from um, Sarah, you know, eating lunch with your coworkers is a great thing to do. At home, getting to know your neighbors, inviting them over for a meal, being intentional, finding an outside hobby besides TV, which I'm guilty of. I just watched all of Lost in six weeks, which is ridiculous. So I'm preaching to myself here, too. Um, go outside. Uh, get to know your neighbors, you know, be present in your community. Find ways to be a blessing to your neighbors, to serve them. That's what we're trying to do in our community groups. We're trying to help each other with this by doing it together, you know. Be a blessing to our neighborhoods. Be present. Be regular at, you know, the local coffee shops and restaurants. But just remember that your story matters. Your story matters. God created you to be a part of this story. And I've just been thinking about it. Like, if I get to the end of my life, and all I did was write the story of Keith, or build Keith's kingdom to try to make Keith's name great, that would just be sad. Like, what do I have to offer? Not to mention totally lame and boring. But if I get to the end of my life, and I was known for making... God's name great for building his kingdom. That would be a good story. Think about what he's done in your life, the hope that he's brought you, the healing that you've experienced. Don't we want to share that with the world around us? Don't we want to get on board with this mission? At the end of uh, Donald Miller's book, he says, we live in a world where bad stories are told, stories that teach us life doesn't mean anything and that humanity has no great purpose. It's a good calling, then, to speak a better story, how brightly a better story shines, how easily the world looks to it in wonder, how grateful we are to hear these stories, and how happy it makes us to repeat them. I'm just going to end with a clip from Lord of the Rings, because I feel like, like I said, that's one of those epic stories that we're talking about. Um, and I think it just illustrates this point, that there's a greater story being told that sometimes we forget, sometimes we're blind to especially if we're just going through a tough time. And this clip is from the end of part two. Um, Sam, or sorry, Frodo the Hobbit, is just like feeling really down. He's like, this is impossible. The odds are too great. The enemy is going to win. What am I doing? I'm like four feet tall anyway. How can I even <laughs> matter, right? But Sam, his friend, is like, Basically, this clip is like a pep talk from Sam. He's like, no, don't forget. There's something greater going on. Darkness will be defeated. A new day will come. Hope will be restored. And I hope we would hear that this morning as well. Let's always remember the bigger picture of what God is up to. He's on the move. He's bringing healing. He's bringing people from death to life. And don't we want to be a part of that story? It's such a better story. Let's watch the clip and we'll close. We shouldn't even be here. 
we are. It's like in the great stories, Mr. Frodo. The ones that really mattered. Full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end. Because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing. This shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come. And when the sun shines, it'll shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you. That meant something. Even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Furrow, I do understand. I know now. Folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't. They kept going. Because they were holding on to something. What are we holding on to, Sam? There's some good in this world, Mr. Furl. And it's worth fighting for. That'd have been a totally boring story if Frodo just like turned around and went home. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that wouldn't be this amazing epic story. Like he, he had to see the bigger picture. He didn't just go back and smoke a pipe in the Shire and <laughs> he pressed on. You know, and I, I hope that we would all do that. Let's just remember that we have a God who is all powerful, and um, He's inviting us to live such a better story. Let's be a part of that. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for the promises of your word that you have defeated the enemies of sin, Satan, and death. And you promised to bring, make all things new, set all things right. And I, we just want to be a part of that, a part of what you're doing. Even right now, today, you're still writing the story. You're still bringing life to where there is death and light to where there is darkness. So show us, Lord, how each of our stories play into that. Show us how we can make our lives a part of your mission. In Jesus' name, amen.